How's everybody doing this morning? God is good? And all the time? One more time. God is good? And all the time? God is good. Amen. Well, let's stand. We're so glad you're here this morning. I hope that you have some uh, victory in Jesus this morning because that's what we're going to start with this morning. A little victory in Jesus. Amen. Here we go. Three, four. morning. All right, here we go.
So uh, if, I hope your worship is going good so far. Put a smile on, turn around, tell somebody you're glad to see them. Let's just uh, fellowship for just a little while, and then we're going to continue to worship in just a moment. one talking gets to pray. That's how you always get a room quiet. Nobody ever wants to pray. Oh, Jessica, say a quick prayer for us. Come on. Oh, Kelly, Kelly with the comeback. All right, all right. Uh, are y'all riding in the same car? Not now. Not now. <laughs> He's going to take the church van home. All right, so thank you for being here this morning. Uh, first-time visitor, visitors, do we have any first-time visitors? I know we have one down here in the blue shirt. He needs, he needs a card down here. He ain't paying attention. <laughs> Brian, it's good to see you. <laughs> Y'all give Brian a clap offering. He, he's been away for a little bit, but I have seen them talk about they miss they, their church home, church family. It's always good to see that. Um, so just to let you know, we do have a full slate on Wednesday. Uh, morning Bible study in the fellowship hall from 10 to 11. Then we have uh, we had meatball subs last week, so those were delicious. Um, 6 p.m. is when dinner is. 7 p.m. we have Bible studies. Youth meets in here. Uh, you never know what we're going to do in there. So adults, if you ask nicely, sometimes you are allowed in there. Uh, Sunday school for all ages, Sunday morning, 10 a.m. That just means you sacrifice one hour earlier. Uh, we do need more volunteers with the bed babies. Those are the easiest kind of babies. You just put them in the bed and leave them. Uh, turn the you turn them every once in a while. <laughs> See, Brother Mark, if you can help. Also need help with children and toddlers for Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights. See, Miss Cindy or Ginger. Um, guys, let's give our cleaning volunteers a round of applause. We're always needing help with our cleaning crew. And if you don't believe that that is a calling, you should see some of the restrooms after Wednesday night. And men, this isn't just the job for ladies. Uh, I have seen some of our burliest, uh, toughest men in here with the vacuum cleaner just wax on, wax off, and thank you men. There's trash to be taken out. There's other things besides if you think you're too good to wipe stuff down. So see Miss Kate Johnson on that. We always need help cleaning. Um, need men volunteers or, this is wrong. We need volunteers for yard work. Women can do yard work as well. See uh, Brother Gary Curry or Brother Mark for that. 
Uh, giving can be done uh, live or, or can be done live in an envelope. Okay, I guess you got to be live to do that. Or online at giving.landmarktyler.com and you just set up your PayPal and then you can just click a button. Now, ladies, Ladies Fellowship has been rescheduled for this coming Saturday, and it's going to be September 10th. There's a sign-up sheet right up here. Miss Julie is going to be driving the van. If you want to ride in the van, just write your name and write van right beside there. Um, what time are you meeting up here? It's going to be at Miss Diana's house. And uh, be here at 3.15 in order to ride in the van or you'll have to drive yourself. And we are having life recovery class today at 2 p.m. So uh, other than that, let's get our praise on. Amen. Amen. Give Brother Martin a big hand if you would. Hey, we're going uh, to do things a little bit different for the next few weeks because I know how much Baptists love change. And so uh, I thought I'd throw you a curve. But we, we get to where we just do things the same way all the time. And so I wanted to uh, give you an opportunity. I'm going to be preaching for the next few weeks on worship. And as I, I tend to do and I like to do when I preach on something, I like for us to just put it in action right away. That's why many times if we're going to do the Lord's Supper, I'll preach on the Lord's Supper. If we're going to do baptisms, I'll preach on baptisms. Because I want you to understand it. And then I want you to, after I preach about it, to be able to put it into action and do it. And so what we're going to do is uh, we're going to sing a couple more songs. And then I'm going to preach after that, and we're going to let the children uh, go to children's church. Uh, but I'm saving one song for the end. And then we're going to come back, and after I teach you about worship, then I'm going to give you the opportunity to do the action and worship, all right? And we'll kind of do that along with our, uh, our uh, altar call and invitation. So uh, things will look a little different. I know how much you love it. Don't let it throw you. Don't look at me like a donkey staring at a new gate. Amen. All right, let's stand if you would. We're going to continue to worship.
wasn't holding you up So there's nothing I can do to let you down It doesn't take a trophy to make you proud I'll never be more loved
Father, we love you. God, we thank you that you are our provider, just like that song says, Lord. Jehovah Jireh means God, our provider. And so, Lord, you are worthy of our worship this morning. And I pray that today as I preach on it, God, today that you move me out of the way. Because, Lord, I recognize today there is nothing good in me except you. And so I ask you today, Lord, move me out of the way. Move my flesh out of the way. Let me be full of the Holy Spirit. May we learn to worship you in spirit and in truth, Lord. May we learn to just, Lord, pour out our hearts before you. And Lord, worship is not just about songs. It's not just about singing. Worship is about a condition of our heart in everything we do, in every circumstance that we give it to you, Lord. And we thank you today that you're Jehovah Jireh. You are God, our provider. You're going to meet every need in this place. You're going to heal people. You're going to set people free from their addictions and their sin. You're going to set people free from what the enemy has lied to them for many, many years. What the locust has stolen, let God restore it to us today, Father. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Let's give the Lord one more clap offering. Amen. All right, we have Children's Church this morning, so if you uh, have children that want to go to Children's Church, they will meet you at the door, okay? All right. <laughs> awesome. Look at all these wonderful kids. All right. So as I said, I'm going to preach uh, for the next few weeks on worship. And uh, when I say the word worship, probably the word that most of you think of is music. That's just, that's what we call what we just got through doing. And I want to submit to you today that worship is not just about music. Worship is about everything we do. We worship when we pray. We worship uh, when we uh, encourage people. We worship when we give. We worship in our service, in every way that we serve. And so we worship. And uh, today, there's a, a, a part where Jesus is speaking to a woman. And he tells her, and this is where we're going to start as far as the conversation with worship goes. That, and he tells her that uh, true worshipers must worship me in spirit and in truth. Now, many of us were very good at the spirit part. Spirit kind of deals with the emotions and deals with those, uh, what I call those Holy Ghost goosebumps. Anybody here ever got the Holy Ghost goosebumps? And it's all about those feelings and how, how loud I can shout and how, uh, you know, how loud I can say amen, how fast I can run around the building. Although in Landmark Baptist, I don't think I've ever seen anybody lap the building, but I'd like to see that. Amen. Uh, I'd like to see some of you lap the building, amen? I'd like to see me lap the building. But I want to tell you, worship takes on many different forms. And sometimes we are very concerned with uh, what people are going to think of us if we just pour out our worship. Uh, many of you, uh, if I were to tell you, raise your hands, you'd say, oh, wait a minute now, that's a little uh, Pentecostal there. Uh, I want to tell you, I've, I submit to you, and I've always submitted, that I'm a little bit Baptocostal, amen? Uh, I, got the Baptist, I got the Baptist doctrine, but I like to shout, I like to clap, I like to say praise the Lord, amen? That's okay. And in my opinion, we can use a little more of that, amen? Because I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? 
And you should not be ashamed of the gospel. You should not. Worship needs to be this way. When I'm worshiping the Lord, it's just me and the Lord. I'm going to worship like there's nobody else in the building. Now, you say, well, Brother Mark, that's real easy to say. That's real hard to do. Amen. I want to tell you, if you need to move to the back row or the front row where you can't see everybody else, that's what you need to do. Because our worship should be pure and unadulterated. But now, Jesus talked about worshiping in spirit and in truth. Now, that truth part gets a little tricky. Because the truth, I'm going to tell you nine times out of ten, the truth is not pleasant to hear. I've told you many times as a preacher, my job as a preacher is not to make you happy. My job as a preacher is to do what I feel like God's telling me to do. And many times my job as a preacher is to give you unpleasant news, to give you the truth of the Word of God. And we live in a culture that wants to have buffet. I've preached on this a couple weeks. Buffet Christianity. I want to choose the parts I like, and I'm just going to ignore the parts I don't like. Throw your Bible away if that's what you're going to do. The truth and the truth of God's word is tough many times. You know why the truth of God's word is tough? Because it requires you to look in the mirror. And the truth confronts my sin and your sin. And that is not a pleasant thing, is it? But we must learn to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. We're going to look at a story this morning. If you want to go ahead and turn there, it's going to be in John chapter 4. And it's a story probably everybody's familiar with. The woman at the well. The woman at the well. And we're going to bring up a few key points about what happens with the woman at the well. And Jesus talks to her, and this subject of worship comes up, but also the subject of her sin. The truth comes out, reveals her sin. Jesus does not shy away from her sin. He does not condone her sin. He does not condemn her sin. He simply brings her sin out of the darkness and into the light. That's not always pleasant, is it? The truth of God's word. If I say something this morning that offends you, I'm sorry. But the truth of God's word, many times you're going to have to take that up with God. Because the truth of God's word and the truth of our sin is very unpleasant to hear many times. Amen. And so I want you to, I want you to, I'm going to show you a video of the woman at the well. Jesus dealing with the woman at the well. And I want you to see how Jesus approaches this. He does not condemn the woman. He does not try to shame the woman. But he does not shy away from her sin either. He calls out her sin. And he shows her her sin. He shows her the truth. Amen. So we're going to watch a little video and uh, just to kind of illustrate this story from the Bible. And then we're going to look at it in John chapter 4. Let's watch this video real quick. Would you give me a drink? you hear me? That's bad, huh? What? You, a Jew, ask her to drink from me a Samaritan and a woman. I'm sorry. I should have said please. You know, it's not safe for you to be alone out here. Nor you. Why haven't you come with others? Why so late in the day? Don't women come to the wells in the, the cool of the morning? Yeah, well, none of them will be seen with me, so I have to come at noon in the heat, as you have so kindly reminded me. Why won't they be seen with you? Long story. I, I'd still like a drink of water if, if you can spare it. Amazing what a parched throat will do. 
Aren't I unclean to you? Won't you be defiled by this vessel? Maybe some of my people say that about your women, but I don't. Yeah? And what do you say? I say if you knew who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink. Really? And I would give you living water. Would. Except that you have nothing to draw water with, and this is a deep well. Besides, what do you need from me if you have your own supply of living water? Long story. But Jewish water is better than Samaritan water. Hmm? That's not what I said. Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well? Your water is better than his? I know, Jacob. And everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. Wouldn't that be nice? The water I give will become in a person a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Really? Yes, really. Prove it. First, go and call your husband and come back. I will show you both. I don't have a husband. You are right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. <laughs> oh, I see. You're a prophet. You're here to preach at me. No. Usually the one good thing about coming here alone is I can escape being condemned. I'm not here to condemn you. I've made mistakes. Too many. But it's men like you who have made it impossible for me to do anything about it. How? Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place for true worship. They say that because the temple is there. Yeah. Exactly where we're not allowed. I'm here to break those barriers. And the time is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So, where am I supposed to go when I need God? I've never received anything from God, but I couldn't thank him even if I did. Anywhere. God is spirit. And the time is coming and is now here. That it won't matter where you worship, but only that you do it in spirit and truth. Heart and mind, that, that is the kind of worshiper he's looking for. It won't matter where you're from or what you've done. Do you believe what I'm telling you? <sighs> Until the Messiah comes and explains everything and sorts this mess out, including me. I don't trust in anyone. You're wrong when you say that you've never received anything from God. This Messiah you speak of, I am he. The first one was named Ramin. You were a woman of purity who was excited to be married. But he wasn't a good man. He hurt you, and it made you question marriage and even the practice of your faith. Stop it. The second was Farzad. 
On your wedding night, his skin smelled like oranges. And to this day, every time you pass by the oranges in the market, you feel guilty for leaving him because he was the only truly godly man you've been with. But you felt unworthy. Why are you doing this? I have not revealed myself to the public as the Messiah. You are the first. It would be good if you believed me. You picked the wrong person. I came to Samaria just to meet you. <laughs> Do you think it's an accident that I'm, I'm here in the middle of the day? I am rejected by others. I know. But not by the Messiah. And you know these things because you are the Christ. I'm going to tell everyone. I was counting on it. <laughs> Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. It won't be all about mountains or temples. Soon, just the heart. <laughs> you promised. I promise. This man told me everything I've done. Oh, he must be the Christ! <laughs> You forgot your um. Rabbi, we got food. What would you like? Ah, I have food to eat that you do not know about. Who got you food? <laughs> Who got you food? Oh. I just wanted you to see that because many times, you know, just that visual, I'm a very visual person, and that visual helps you to just visualize the story. Notice what he said. He revealed himself. This is the first time that Jesus reveals himself as the Messiah, and he chooses this lady to be the first one to receive it. That alone says a lot about what Jesus is about. Jesus meets us in our sin. He meets us right where we are. He didn't choose uh, the religious people to reveal this to. He didn't choose even his own people. A little background is that you notice that she said, why are you talking to me at the very beginning? She was surprised. And this is because Jews uh, hated. There was uh, so much uh, just uh, uh, oppression and uh, racism towards from the Jewish people to the Samaritan people. And so a Jewish man would never talk, number one, to a Samaritan Number two, especially to a Samaritan woman. And so Jesus was totally breaking from uh, what his people's law says. And notice the very first person he reveals that he is the Messiah, he is the Christ, is this sinful, sinful, sinful woman. And I wanted to, uh, he talks about worshiping in spirit and truth. Here's some facts about the woman at the well. She'd been married five times. And uh, as Jesus said, she was living with a man who was not her husband at that time. She had been rejected by her small community. She was like living in a 
small town, so you can imagine what small town uh, is like. And so everybody knew her business. Everybody knew that she'd been with, she'd been married five times, and the guy she was with now was not her husband. And she had a reputation, and it was not a good reputation. As you notice, she said the other women wouldn't even be seen with her. That's why she had to come at the hot part of the day, because the other women would not be seen with her. So this, she had a terrible reputation. Uh, she seemed hopeless and emotionally empty. She felt morally empty, and she felt dirty, as you can see, by her own admission. And when she was confronted with her sin, she was amazed, but she didn't try to deny it. She knew exactly who she was and what she was dealing with. So, but guess what? Jesus was waiting on her, and he, he said, I'm here in the middle of the day. I was meant to be here. And so she has a personal encounter with Jesus. We're going to look at four points and then we're going to worship, all right? And all of these four points, well, Brother Mark, what does this have to do with worship? Because true worship begins after you have a personal encounter with Jesus. You can't just know about Jesus. You have to have a personal encounter with Jesus. You may say to me, well, Brother Mark, you know, I prayed a prayer. Congratulations. Brother Mark, I walked an aisle. Hope it was a good walk. Brother Mark, I was dunked. I hope it felt good. Because none of that means anything if nothing happened in the heart. Amen? And so we've got to understand that true worship begins in spirit and truth. And he even said this, it is a matter of the heart and the mind. You must recognize that you are a sinner, that you need a Savior, and then you must accept him. It's not enough just to know these facts. You have to respond to these facts, and there has to be action to these facts, all right? And you have to accept, he's a, I'm a sinner, he's a Savior. I need a Savior, and the only hope I have for the forgiveness of my sins is that Savior, all right? So we need to understand that. So that's why it's so important, this personal encounter with Jesus. Let's look at four facts of this encounter with Jesus. Number one, Jesus does not condemn her. He says, I didn't come to condemn you. What does he do? He just meets her at the well, and he starts a conversation. Every encounter that you have, the potential to share the gospel starts with a conversation. Should not start with condemnation. You going to heaven or hell? You going to fly or fry? That's not a good way to start a conversation, is it? With love, with mercy, with compassion. Jesus approaches this woman without condemnation, but he's not shying away from the truth. I want you to understand. Let's look at the uh, scripture, John 4, 16 and 17. He says to this, and, and Jesus just, this is the way he starts making her recognize her sin. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. Jesus just starts the conversation. But notice this, Jesus does not excuse her sin. He does not shy away from her sin, but he does not condemn her of her sin. He simply is stating the truth. True worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Before you bring, the Bible talks about before you bring your sacrifice of praise or before you bring your gift to the altar, you need to get your heart right. And that means you must repent. And that means you must recognize that you are a sinner. You must recognize the areas in your life that are sin. 
Now, this is that truth part I told you was not going to be comfortable. So I'm going to look everybody in the eye and say, this is not comfortable. But guess what? While I'm looking at you, I'm looking in a mirror because it's not comfortable for me either. Because the truth of my sin is very, very uncomfortable. I don't like to see my sin. In fact, what I tend to do is, is I tend to judge you by your actions, but I judge myself by my intentions. I excuse my sin by saying, well, you know, I, that's not the way I intended that. I know what I said hurt David's feelings, but that's not the way I intended it. So it really wasn't sin. I know it hurt him. It wounded him. But my intentions were right. Or I hear this one many times. Brother Mark, I'd sure like to address that sin, but it's just the way I am. Brother Mark, I'd sure like to address that addiction, but that's just me. That's just the way I am. In our culture today, one of the most popular excuses for sin is, well, Brother Mark, I was just born that way. Listen to me, folks. You cannot excuse the truth of sin in your life. Now, I will agree with you up to a point. You are right. You were born that way because you were born with a sinful nature. We are all born with a bent towards sin. And I hear this all the time as a preacher. Brother Mark, I can't help that I'm an alcoholic. All of my family, it goes way back down my bloodline. And I, that's just who I am. I was born with it. Okay. Guess what? Everybody in here was born with a bent towards sin. But nowhere in Scripture can you find that Jesus says, therefore, you can have an excuse for your sin because you was born with it. No. We were all born with a bent towards sin. If you were born in an alcoholic's family and you struggle with alcohol, that's well and good, and I, you, I, you admit that, but guess what? That does not excuse you being an alcoholic. And no, let me say this right up front. No sin is worse than the other sin. We live in a culture today that says, well, I'm attracted towards men or I'm attracted towards women and I'm drawn towards a homosexual lifestyle. Guess what? I agree with you. You probably, because of different uh, things in your background, uh, you were born bent towards that sin. That does not give you an excuse for that sin. If you live in that lifestyle... I have many friends who are gay, and I have one or two that have been delivered from it. One guy, he's now married and has a 12-year-old daughter, and he's been delivered from it. I have other gay friends who say, Brother Mark, I still struggle with it, but I love the Lord, and so I'm, I'm struggle with it. It's my struggle. I am bent towards that sin. I, I've asked the Lord to take it away, but it doesn't go away. So therefore, I've just made a commitment to be celibate and choose to be celibate and make that a non-issue in my life. Guess what? Now, some of you say, well, that's, now that's different. No, sin is sin. And there is no excuse for sin. Stop making the excuse for sin. Whatever you deal with, whatever was passed down to you from generation to generation, it is a generational curse, but it does not excuse your sin. If you are living with somebody outside of marriage, you are not excused. Well, Brother Mark, we love each other. Scripture and verse, show it to me. No, that's not an excuse for your sin. Well, it's like shoes. You wouldn't buy a pair of shoes without trying them on. That's the stupidest excuse I've ever heard in my life. If you love somebody, commit yourself to them. If you don't, shut up and move on. But that does not excuse you 
to live in sin. It does not excuse you. You're having sex outside of marriage. Well, Brother Mark, but I, I love them. That's great. That's wonderful. Marry them. Amen. But it does not excuse your sin. But Brother Mark, I, I'm, I, I want this so bad. My flesh wants this. That's true. That's how sin works. That's why sin is so successful. You know, quit making excuses. Sin is sin. We must worship in spirit and truth. And the truth is, I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. There is no excuse for our sin. Yes, you were born with it. We were all born with it. And your bent is probably different than my bent. Doesn't make mine any worse than yours or yours any worse than mine. But guess what? You're bent towards it, yes. So what do I do, Brother Mark? Like everybody else, fight it. Fight it. Because that's of the flesh. Jesus says, I am the Spirit, and the Spirit can set you free. The Son of God can set you free. So let him set you free. Because whatever's in the Spirit is going to oppose the flesh. That thing that says, well, I just, I got to drink alcohol because I, my body wants alcohol. That's all well and good, but that is not an excuse. Those whom the Son has set free are free indeed. Amen? This is not an easy sermon, y'all. But the truth is unpleasant. And you must worship him in spirit and in truth. What is the A of the ABCs of the gospel? Admit. And you're never going to get to B or C without first going through A. And this is why many people, this is what keeps many people from the gospel. Pride, ego, and selfishness. Well, I, I want to live with this person. I want to have sex anytime I want to have sex and not make the commitment of marriage. That's wonderful, but that ain't right. And if you can scripture and verse it, you show me. Amen? No matter what that sin is, no matter what that lifestyle is, there is no excuse for it. We must stop the excuses of our sin. And let me say this. Just like the woman at the well, Jesus doesn't condemn you. He just wants you to have an abundant life full of him. An abundant life is a life full of him, which means you got to get rid of the sin. you got to get it out of there. you got to get it out of your life. What's the first part of recovery? In Alcoholics Anonymous, Celebrate Recovery, Narcotics Anonymous, you got to stand up in front of people, and they make you do this. If it's Alcoholics Anonymous, this is the statement. Hello, my name is Mark Trammell, and I am an alcoholic. And that's hard. Because it's the first step. They make you do that because they know until you get up and you voice it yourself, and you admit it not only to yourself, but you admit it to other people, you're going to be stuck in it. You don't have the power. You are powerless to overcome your addictions. You are, you are powerless to overcome your sin. You are powerless to overcome your lifestyle, whether it's living with somebody and not being married to them, whether it's I'm drawn towards a homosexual lifestyle, whatever it is, it, it's, there is no excuse for it. It's sin. God calls it sin. And if you think it's not in the Bible, it's sin, come see me. I'll show you, I'll show you where it's found, all right? Because it's sin, and it's just it's the Bible. And if, it's, if you're not going to live by it, then just throw it away and go about your business. But he has called us to worship him in spirit and in truth.
Jesus speaks truth to her. Notice he does not condone her sin. He does not excuse her sin. He simply speaks truth to bring her sin to the light because she has to recognize it as sin. Okay? Number two, Jesus shares about true worship, John 4, 23 and 24. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Now, he says God is spirit, but then he doesn't explain what is truth. What did Jesus say later on? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the truth is the word of God. The word of God. It's the truth. Get your Bible, read it. Many people say, well, I don't know how God wants me to live. Yes, you do. There's probably 10 of them sitting right over there. It's called the Holy Bible. Pick it up and read it. It's basic instructions before leaving earth. Amen? Well, God didn't leave me a manual. Yes, he did. It's the Bible. You want to know the heart of God, God's opinion, what he thinks about what you're doing in your life, whether it be right or wrong, pick it up and read it. And if you don't like it, I'm sorry, take it up with God. Amen. I got sin in my life. I got things I deal with. I got issues I deal with in my life. I'm just like you. I'm flesh and blood, and I constantly have to fight the flesh every single day. All of us have to do it. No one's special in this room. So just fight it, all right? Um, we all want the feelings and the emotions of worship but we don't necessarily like the truth of his word or our sin. I can't put it any plainer than that, so we'll just go to the next one. Number three, we've already kind of covered this. Jesus reveals himself as the Messiah. This is in uh, verses 25 and 26. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming who is called Christ. and When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Again, this is the first time that Jesus reveals uh, himself as the Messiah. He does it, chooses her first to reveal it to her. All right. Um, she expected hatred and rejection from this man, but she found forgiveness and love. And when she recognized and repented of her sin. All right. Number four. She becomes the first evangelist. This woman that most of us would look at and go, ooh, <laughs> look at her reputation. Not exactly squeaky clean. Been married five times, living with the guy she's with now. She has that reputation in the town. Nobody will even be seen with her. She's a loose woman. And this is who Jesus chooses to reveal for the first time, that he is the Messiah. But you know why I believe he chose this woman? It's because everybody in this room, whether we want to admit it or not, we can relate to the woman at the well. You ever felt morally bankrupt? You ever felt spiritually dry? Let me find one little hit even closer to home. You ever just felt dirty? Dirty and unworthy. Jesus wanted every one of us to be able to 
to relate to this woman. Because he wanted to reveal to her, I'm the one who can change your life. I'm the one that can set you free from all this. You just got to admit that you're a sinner. I'm going to show you the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you will, if you will accept it as the truth, and if you will accept me, I'm the living water. Remember what he told her? He said, I'm the kind of water that once you have my water, you'll never thirst again. Amen. So we need to understand this. All right? First evangelist. Look at the verse. Uh, John 4, 39. It says, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. You see that she runs back to the town. She literally tells everybody in the town, there's a man who must be the Messiah because he told me everything I ever did in my life. And she literally brings the entire town. And the record shows in the gospel that many, almost that entire town, a great revival began in that town. And it was all started by this woman at the well. And she just brought them. She said, you must come. You must see. And so the whole city came out to hear Jesus and got to hear the gospel. And many, many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him. All right? I'm going to ask the band to go ahead and come, and I'm going to give you these truths. They're going to, they're going to come real quietly because they're so still. Um, <laughs> I want you to listen to me. Don't pay attention to them. Look at me. I want to tell you this. Stop drinking from the well of sin. Stop drinking from the well of sex. Stop drinking from the well of alcohol. Stop drinking from the well of drugs. Stop, stop drinking from the well of money. Stop drinking from the well of anything the world says that you have to have to be happy. All of these things of the world are like salt water. You ever been in the ocean? You ever been in the ocean and be thirsty? Get you a mouthful of that salt water. What's that like? The things of the world are like drinking salt water. All it's going to do is make you more thirsty. It will never quench your thirst. You will always be drawn for more. That's why whatever it is, sex, it's never enough. Why? Because these things work in the chemicals of your brain and that you get a high from it and that high never gets satisfied. That's why the drug addict is always on to the next high. They're always looking for the next high. The alcoholic, that drink, oh, that's going to be my last. No, it's always going to be the next one, the next one. Whatever it is in your life, it's like salt water. It will never, ever quench your thirst. It will only make you more thirsty for the things of the flesh. So you've got to just cut it off. You've just got to stop. Stop. Whatever your sin is, stop it. And admit that it's sin and say, Lord, deliver me from my sin. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Father, I pray that we could worship you in spirit and in truth. I pray that we could worship you in spirit and in truth. And God, I just pray that, Lord, we just pour out our hearts right now. God, I pray that you would move in an incredible way. I pray if somebody in this room is not saved or they don't know for sure if they're saved, I pray that they'd come to know you as Savior this morning. I pray if somebody in this room is living in sin and they recognize it as sin, that the truth has penetrated their heart and that they will repent of their sin and turn away from it. Lord, I pray that, God, whatever 
there is in our life that we're struggling with, that we would come and we would lay it at the altar this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your love for us, for your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Let's all stand. We're going to sing one more song, and we're going to worship the Lord, okay?
speaking to you. The band's going to play just lightly. If you need to come, Brother Martin, if you'll come, Brother Martin's going to be on this side of the stage. If you need somebody to pray with you, I'll be on this side. If you need somebody to pray with you, if you need to just come to the altar and just lay it at the feet of Jesus, you need to come and join the church this morning. If you need to come and recommit your life, if you just need to come this morning and say, Brother Mark, I just need to confess. I just need to set myself free. I admit my sin. I admit that I'm going to let the Lord have it for the very first time. I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to lay it down to the Lord. Amen. In spirit and in truth. Father, have your will and your way during this time. In Jesus' name. Amen. Julie, you'll see.
seated. God is good. Amen. If you need to talk to somebody, you know, I tell people all the time, just because we say amen doesn't mean it's over with. Holy Spirit still moves even after the last amen. And so if you're dealing with sin, can I say this? If you're dealing with sin in your life and that message was hard for you to hear this morning, let me just say, welcome to the club. Because we're all dealing with it. Amen. Mine may not be the same as what you're dealing with, but we're all dealing with it. We were all, we're all flesh and blood. We're all born with that sinful nature. And so if you want to talk about it, if you need somebody to just pray with you, encourage you, you come see me or Brother Martin, and we'd be glad to do that. Amen. Well, some people want to join the church. I told them I guess that's okay this morning. Amen. We're going to start with Foy Bain. Foy, come uh, forward. Uh, Foy's been coming for a while, and uh, she comes. Foy, do you know the Lord Jesus is your Lord and Savior? Amen. She comes today wishing to be a part of Landmark Baptist Church. Give her a hand, if you will. Amen. Now, these are people kind of rejoining the club. Amen. Uh, Steve and Melissa Tant, y'all come up here. Amen. Give Steve and Melissa. Amen. And they come today uh, just joining us from a sister church, and they know the Lord Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That's right. And uh, their boy's back there playing drums for us today. Austin, amen. Give him a hand. Amen. So uh, these come today just wanting to join. I told them, that, uh, you know, joining, uh, it's, it's one of those things where, well, why should I join? Because it's basically just making that commitment again. Uh, a lot of people want to, uh, you know, they, they want to love somebody, but they don't want to make that commitment. Amen. And I'm here to tell you, commitment's become a dirty word. But joining the church, it's kind of that same thing. We're, we're entering into a covenant with these folks to say, you need us and we need you. And uh, you're our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we are going to be there to stand with you whatever comes your way. Amen. That's what a church family does. So I'm going to ask these to remain standing here so you can come by and shake their hand. Let's stand if you would. And, uh, man, it's been a good day. Thank you for being here. Be safe on Labor Day. All right? Don't be stupid. I know that's uh, Brother Mark being real blunt with you, but I know all of you, and some of you can be stupid. Amen. So tomorrow, don't be stupid. All right. Have a wonderful time, but don't be stupid. Father, we love you. We thank you for today. Thank you for these precious ones that have come to join the church. Thank you for these precious ones that have come and laid their burdens down at the altar. And, Lord, I thank you that you are faithful to meet us at our point of need. You're faithful to meet us right where we are. Thank you, Jesus, for everything you've done today. Be with us throughout the rest of this day. As we go out of these doors, we are entering our mission field. Help us to be a witness to everybody. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. Have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day.